Hello and welcome to Open Room Talks, a podcast which draws on open room events experiencing connecting people to bring you quality discussions between industry experts, innovative suppliers, and high-powered end-users on pertinent issues in a variety of sectors. I am Kiana Sapp, and today for our first episode, we are in the world of veterinary. Joining me, I have Mike Jackson and Tom Jenkins. Mike is the managing partner of Pets and Vets Family, Scotland's largest independently owned small animal group. He qualified from Glasgow University in 2004 and spent the first part of his career in London working in small animal practice. In 2010, Mike was invited to move back to Glasgow to become a partner in Pets and Vets. Uh, And since then, Mike and his partners have expanded the size and scope of the Pets and Vets family, including building their own state-of-the-art veterinary hospital, the Roundhouse. The Pets and Vets family was voted Glasgow's favorite business in 2015 and has gained national and international attention for clinical, organizational, and marketing innovation. Uh, Tom is the CEO and co-founder of PetsApp, a leading telemedicine and digital client communication platform for veterinary clinics. He is a qualified vet and has served as chief operating officer for veterinary groups, both in Asia and the UK. Thank you both very much for joining me today. Hi, Kiana. Thanks for having us. So you both attended Vet Forum in the Algarve in 2018. Uh, Is that where you first met or did you know each other before that? No, I think that is when we first met, Mike, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the first time. And, and uh, yeah, it was a great, great meeting. And we, we've met many times since. Nice to, nice, to, nice to chat to you, Tom. Same. Well, that's great to hear that yeah, you had a good time at Vet Forum back then. Um, Tom, uh, PetsApp seems to be the absolute right product uh, at the right time uh, with the COVID outbreak going on. Uh, I bet it's been really busy for you the past few weeks. Yeah, it's been um, sort of overnight success, two years in the making, as as Mike will know. And there's, there's sort of this idea that we were prescient and built this uh, sort of perfect product for a, for a pandemic. Um, but to quote a, uh, a former Coca-Cola CEO, we're neither that smart nor, nor that stupid. And actually, one of the reasons I'm excited to speak to Mike is... Um, he was actually telling me and, and forewarning me about how, how serious and how impactful um, this was all going to be on, on our sector. And, and Mike's been there with us sort of beta testing earlier versions of the PetSat product and is, is done lots of other cool stuff uh, to mitigate the sort of risks around the current context. So I thought it'd be a good idea to sort of hear a bit more from him about what he's done there. Gosh, thanks, Tom. I mean, it's been such a—I mean, it's such a devastating time on on, on so many levels, uh, but at the same time, such an interesting time on on a managerial front, isn't it? Um, PetsApp has been one of the huge runaway successes. There's no doubt for us as a business to be able to take veterinary, which is obviously a business where you always felt you you needed to be there, and I'm sure the clients felt that we needed to be in the same room to to give any sort of a a useful service, but gosh, we've been able to do something completely different by using sort of digital means. So really exciting. I think for us with PetsApp and, you know, as you've said, Tom, you know, we, we were guided by you and, and, and hopefully helping you um, for, a, for a long time with PetsApp and, and, and able to, to launch just at the right time. But there's no doubt a lot of hard work went into it. And other decisions, yeah. we've had to be, you know, much quicker with our decision making. And really, I think, 
the the big thing that we've had to do is be in a position to make these early decisive decisions um and our way of doing that has been to try and preempt things and how do you do that you know everyone's looking at each other saying nobody knows what's going to happen next how's you know how's this all going to turn out and the truth is nobody knows but there are definitely some signs and we were very carefully looking at all the signs so we would we'd read all our professional bodies advice from the royal college of veterinary surgeons we'd paid dogged attention to that and from the British Veterinary Association too and also we actually spent quite a lot of time looking at what was going on in Italy and in China um, and I think I spoke to you Tom about uh, yeah. what was going on in China I think you've got some contacts out there in the veterinary yeah, market and you know able to kind of uh, come up with multiple scenarios that we felt might happen next and to make corresponding plans that, that worked um, in these various scenarios and then as this information came out, and I think if you listen very carefully to the government advice, you'll see that we're being carefully managed here <laughs> and little bits yeah. and pieces will be sort of quietly mentioned one day and the next day they'll be mentioned slightly more clearly. And then, you know, the following week, bang, that's the new plan. And I think, you know, we, we kind of try to pick up on some of those and, and, and get ready. So mm-hmm. it's that sort of preempting that allowed us uh, to, to, to maybe get ahead of things a little bit yeah and and one of the first things before covid was anywhere near front of mind before it even occurred out in asia one of the first things we tried together was a one and done video consult style model and uh, you were kind enough to take that very early version of the PetSat product and, and test that in your clinics. Do you have any thoughts on what the difference is, is there versus the full emphasis on the, the video console versus what, what we've implemented to date? So the video console was something that, that to be honest, we, we did and we could see some uses for it. The market at that point, and it's amazing how quickly things have changed, certainly wasn't ready for video consults and for first opinion problems with pets at that time. But it was very useful. We found the video consults very useful for follow-up consultations, post-operative checks, those sorts of things. It worked really, really well. You, you went on and you added a text chat function and yeah. you added um, the ability uh, to take payment over the app. Mm-hmm. Now, those have been huge. I mean, I think, you know, that for us, um, to actually be able to offer a fuller service. You know, under under the restrictions that we have, we have actually gone out to our clients and said, we're offering an even better service. Here's, mm-hmm. here's PetSap for you guys. You can text us with your little questions that you might not have asked us before because you didn't want to worry the vet or bother the vet. You can order your food over this over PetSap, your, your pet's food. You can order your medications. You can send in a picture. You can do all these things. That has been huge. And actually being able to shout about that on social media has been such a, you know, that really we, we've made quite a number of changes and we've brought in quite a, a, a lot of innovation, I hope, um, during this crisis but to be able to say what we're offering is actually better and for clients to kind of be in a position where they're like gosh that you know they're they're grabbing hold of that because this is great this is something i can actually do right now to help my pet this is something which actually helps my pet owning experience it brings me closer to my veterinary surgeon all whilst we're in lockdown it's been astounding and a huge success yeah, for sure. And, and that's sort of the irony of the current situation for us is we see a slightly unhelpful emphasis on the video console as a sort of light for light replacement of a physical consultation, which it never really can be. Um, it's just another tool in the armory. And, and this how there's this text chat backbone running through and, and the full range of interactions that can unlock. So it's really great to hear your feedback on that. 
Um, you mentioned the um, government communication and, and how they've approached uh, their comm strategy. I've always been sort of really impressed by the very distinct brand um, you've been able to develop. And part of that brand is a, a brand voice. And that certainly comes across on, on social media. How, how have you been able to uh, convey that and maintain that? So, I mean, this is this is quite an interesting one to me because I think when we're looking, certainly in the veterinary sector, I am, you know, looking at other practices, social, what they're doing, and it seems that they've gone very quiet. They've gone absolutely silent. And you think to yourself, well, why would that be? Obviously, with furlough, reduced numbers of, of team members and so on and so forth, social is a thing that gets pushed to the to the, the, the bottom of the queue. Sure. But you think about what's actually going on, Tom. You know, people at home, they're sitting at home desperate to know what's going on beyond the, you know, beyond their garden wall. They're, you know, they, they want to interact. They want to know yeah. what to do. They want help. So um, we decided early on to be very strong on social. Um, as it happens, we did have to furlough people, but um, I actually took the social back and I've been sort of running the the Facebook posts myself, which seems quite um, unusual, I guess, for the managing partner of our business to be doing that. But I, I was able to really, without hesitation, because I'm so proud of my team, because I'm not hindered by maybe um, the Britishness of, oh, I don't want to shout about what I'm doing. I'm talking about my team. Mm -hmm. They are doing amazing things. And to be able to share those positive stories, to be able to offer really good news, like, you know, like Pets app or, or like the fact that our clients can now sign up for our health plan online, being able to share those that sort of good news, being able to say to clients, look, post a picture of your dog. Let's share that. You know, people are not able to go out and, and walk their dog and meet other dog walkers and have a chat about, you know, how their dog is great and what they do and whatever else. But but we're offering that. People are, yeah. are maybe in their flat on their own and there's their cat. It's their only company and they love that cat and they want to shout about it and talk about it. It's a great, great thing uh, to have that community spirit and thing going on. So for us, that was very important and, and we've worked really, really hard. And, and, you know, my team are working incredibly hard and they're doing amazing clinical things in the practice. And they're also saying, Definitely. listen, Mike, there's, there's, some great, there's, there's some great things happening down here. There's some great things happening and they're sending me pictures and so on and so forth. And it's, it's such, it's so nice to be able to share that positivity and, and those positive stories. And it's so nice to be able to get some positivity for the team as well. You know, the team deserve sure. all the plaudits they get and, and social is a lovely way of doing that. So it's been yeah. really, really useful, really useful. I mean, that's certainly been a, a huge boost for us is um, how the product that we've created is used to sort of protect human health, um, including the veterinary teams, protect animal welfare, but, but, also protect jobs and it, it sounds like part of the success you're having is making sure you have stuff to talk about and you're doing lots of other things beyond pets app and and digital patient advocacy do you mind sharing some of the other stuff you're doing so for, for example i've seen your partner ross consulting in the open air um, which seems like an interesting approach yeah we sort of did a few things early on which which have really helped us so some sort of immediate things to make sure that our, our and this was, as I say, preempting. These were guesses. We felt that an outdoor consulting room might be useful. So we actually had a framework of a stand which we'd used at a, at a big, a big dog show previously. So we had that built in our backyard. We have um, we have a double gate system in place anyway at the Roundhouse Hospital um, to prevent dog escapes. And so we're we're able to use that 
to um, create a safe means of clients kind of depositing their pets between the two fences um, and our staff can then come and collect their pets. We've, you know, as I say, we've, we've implemented all sorts of interesting things. But yes, outdoor consulting room is one of them. Um, we have a, a lovely waiting room which is sitting empty um, yeah. and instead clients come and drive into our car park and wait there and then they're called through. We have Bluetooth headsets and all sorts of things so we can consult and the client can watch from a distance, almost like a drive-through veterinary practice, oh, wow. watch for a, from a distance as we as we examine their pet and, and do what's required. So you have this sort um, of great. socially distanced veterinary care service going on and, and that sounds like something that's going to have to continue for some time to come. Would you think? I think so, and this is this is part of the challenge. You know, when we were setting everything up, you know, there was, um, you know, we, we had to do things really quickly. Apart from Pets App, which <laughs> thankfully we, we've been lucky enough to be involved in for some time, you know, we 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 had to set things up really quickly, and 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 we really took the team on that journey as well. So we kept them in the loop. We we use another app. We use um, Basecamp, and we have for a number of years to communicate with our staff. We were able to really keep them in the loop and take them on this journey you know with us and make decisions with our team and and that was all in a sort of a, a curious and weird kind of way you know quite exciting I guess and and for the team you know obviously a very frightening time but there was a lot of positivity there there's kind of a bit of Dunkirk spirit and now the government kind of gently leak out information but for quite a long time they've been they've been saying this is the long run this is the long run yeah. And now you can really see that in the team. You know, we're starting to feel fatigued. Mm-hmm. You know, we were excited. We were in this together. This was, and don't get me wrong, the team are doing great and, and working really hard. But the next challenge is how do we adapt to this? How do we avoid this fatigue? Yeah. So, it's sort of, what does the what does the next normal look like? And have you got any thoughts on that? What in amongst the things that you've implemented, uh, what are you keeping? What will that look like going forward? You know, for us, we're keeping a very close eye on things and trying to sort of work out where things might go next. I mean, it's difficult, you know, looking at the government's app that they're looking at releasing and, you know, the trials on the Isle of Wight at the moment and the possibility of opening schools again, maybe, you know, at, at, at different time, at different times for different pupils and all sorts of things going on. We're trying to take all that into account and work out what will happen next. Some things are for sure, though. I mean, I think we realise that, digital is here to stay you know social we need to be strong on there at the moment i feel like we are the voice in our area for our sector and we want to retain that we've had as i said you know great success with our online we 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 managed to arrange an online portal for signing up to our direct debit scheme um early on in lockdown and actually that's been a huge success um and we need to you know, we, we'll definitely be keeping that and, and pushing that. Um, Pets app, as you know, Tom, we're, we're extremely pleased with. We're, we're going to be keeping that. And I think video consultations, remote consultations are going to be huge going forward for us. Um, we'll need to see where the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons sit in terms of they've relaxed some of the rules at the moment to allow us to do um, more things on video yeah. consult. And I guess you could talk about that. Um, and whether they will return to where we were before or whether they'll, they'll uh, stay, as, stay as we are. So, you know, there's a lot to think about, but but certainly digital is is, is big and, and sort of looking for opportunities digitally. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, as much as I'm glad that PetsApp is helping in the, in the immediate context, obviously, uh, we saw a, a broader opportunity around improving the digital patient advocacy efforts of veterinary clinics. And 
And right now we see people doing, you know, video consultations to admit those patients that do need to come in, sharing PDF consent forms via the text chat, uh, taking payments, doing video discharge consultations, doing in-clinic inpatient follow-ups via the text chat, all, all that good stuff. And it's interesting to me, you know, what what bits of that make sense in the long term? And and I think it strikes me that it's going to be less trying to create a like-for-like replacement of the of the physical experience and more augmenting and curating that experience as appropriate. Is that how it feels to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think you and I have had chats about this before, Tom, but, you know, people now want to research. People want to have as much information as possible to hand. This is this is sort of... Uh, seems to be a a growing trend and and quite rightly so. Um, And so if we as a veterinary practice can put all the information somewhere really accessible, the best information and and have it there for somebody and they can, you know, read it and read it again, look back at it, you know, and and it's all in one place. It's, it's, I mean, it's a huge thing. It really is going to help what we're trying to do, uh, client education, the care of their pets and so on and so forth. It's a very, very exciting thing. Yeah, you talk, you talked about the opportunity for uh, leadership, especially in the current context. And I think part of leadership is setting our teams up for success and, and, and sometimes helping people get out of their own way on that, on that path. And it's interesting to me, I mean, uh, being a vet and um, working in veterinary clinics and operating veterinary clinics, there's this sort of um, trope around vets not being very good at, at driving uh, pet owner compliance with their recommendations. But I really think, uh, to a large extent, we set the vets up to fail. They have this sort of one 10-minute consultation window where they need to advocate for everything that that patient could possibly need in the coming year because they don't know when they're next going to see them again. And the pet owners come in with their own issue being front of mind. That issue may or may not be the most pressing issue that pet's facing. And it just occurs to me if we could sort of split up that interaction into a series of micro interactions over the course of the year uh, and take those recommendations to the pet owner when they're most likely to um, be able to do something about them, uh, we're going to improve the the pet care experience for the pet owner. We're going to improve outcomes for our patients and and for, for clinics and for the veterinary team where we're all aligned around the sort of mission of patient advocacy. Talk a little bit more about that, Tom, because I think there's two there's two angles to this. I mean, I, are you talking about reaching out to the clients? Or are you talking about the clients reaching out to us? Because we are seeing opportunities for both. Yeah, I agree that it is both. If you if you lower that effort barrier required to access veterinary expertise, I think people there's this high trust relationship. Vets are held in high regard. I think the accessibility of veterinary expertise is what. Uh, causes people to sort of sit at home hoping for the best or or jump on Google. And if, if we remove that effort barrier, you will find that people come to you more often. There's the Veterinary Innovation Council estimates that there's 24 pet issues per pet per year, and only two of those are addressed by veterinary expertise. Now, I know I, I did a, a webinar on this uh, last week, and I actually went back and I tracked my brother-in-law got a uh, rescued a Labrador mix uh, about four months ago. And they have approached me with, um, I think it's four, six issues, something like that, over the past four months. That's right, six issues in four months, which is, if you extrapolate that, 18 issues over the course of the year. Now, obviously, me being a member of their family, they have no barriers to accessing veterinary expertise. So you can see that there is this opportunity to capture a higher proportion of the pet issues and then help the pet owner delegate that decision-making to the veterinary team who are better placed to decide how that issue is addressed. 
But then there's also this opportunity to say, right, let's send out a push notification on the app to all Labradors over the age of seven, let's say, and, and ask them, you know, is Daisy having trouble getting up on the sofa? And maybe that starts a conversation about mobility, osteoarthritis, and you have a patient advocacy opportunity that you might never otherwise have had. So that's that's the way Absolutely. we think about it. And and I think that's I mean it's already working. We're already seeing that. I don't know if you saw on our Facebook we had a we had a, a lovely little dog in um, just a, a week or so ago, and their uh, owner, you know, they you know there's this there's this funny thing where clients don't want to bother the vet. They don't want to. I didn't want to bother you, or or perhaps they're frightened of the financial uh, implications, or they don't see this the seriousness. But you know, oh, they they so they text into us. Listen, my dog's having a little bit of blood in his urine. And we were able to go back in a text chat and find out a little bit more and then to progress that into a video console. And eventually um, we, we had this little dog in, took some x-rays and the dog had a, a huge stone in his bladder, which wow. we were able to remove. Brilliant. I mean, what what a great, you know, during during COVID. And, and you know, the weird thing is, Tom, that, that had we not been in lockdown, that dog may have gone on like that for another who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe it only would have been picked up when the dog came in for its annual vaccinations. And, and you know, that's once a year. So I love that example. Absolutely. No, I love it because yeah, the, the pet it's... owners would otherwise be sitting at home hoping for the best, maybe assuming that's normal for their dog. Uh, yeah. You know, what all the kinds of stories that pet owners tell themselves, and, and me included, you know, when I've got my pet owner hat on, you sort of notice an issue and you're like, mm, you know, do I need to worry about this? By providing that sort of effortless way to just, just sense check it with a vet, um, via the text chat. And then I love the example because it is this mixed online to offline experience. And too often we exceptionalize and we think, well, you know, we can't do this online or they have to be, they have to come in. Well, how about using the mix? And, and when you do that, you sort of open up the top of the funnel and you have access to, to more patient advocacy opportunities. So yeah, it's great to see you guys doing that and it, and it working. I think we're coming up to time Thank you so much for that discussion. Plenty of really interesting thoughts. Um, but before you go, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of uh, quick fire questions that we intend to ask all of our guests, if that's all right. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So firstly, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've uh, ever received? So um, mine actually doesn't come from an a individual person, or I guess it does indirectly, but I read the book um, Man's Search for Meaning. And in there, the general concept is live each day as, as if you're living it for the second time. So like live as if you know better. So hold yourself to a higher standard um, in everything that you do and, and, and uh, try, try that so that you're not, you're not living with regrets and, and, and you're able to sort of meet the next moment in, in, the, same, in the same mindset. I'd say that's something that's definitely stayed with me. Brilliant. Okay. That's kind of interesting, Tom, because I'm going to probably say the opposite. I, I have a, I have a 101 year old grandfather um, who, um, thankfully, my parents have actually moved him in with them to to shield him, um, and he has been through. You know, he was in Burma. He was in uh, Slim's Lost Army in, in uh, Burma during the uh, the Second World War. Wow. He was a he was a doctor. And he's dealt with a you know a huge amount of things in his life, including you know seeing all sorts of trauma and things going on, so on and so forth. And his mantra um, is very much: don't think about yesterday, don't think about tomorrow, but think about today, and just get on with today. And you know it's kind of interesting because he's been saying that for years and years and years, and and he is a very positive, you know, a very I mean a brilliant guy. He still still reads huge novels and and does Sudoku every day and whatever else. 
but you know it's very close to mindfulness actually yeah. which is something which i which i really like which is you know think about this moment in time let's not worry about what's coming next let's not worry about what's happened before and i think in life in terms of resilience and kind of getting through this and i think we'd be wrong not to mention mental health and all of this mm-hmm. that you know people on furlough this is a very difficult time people working this is a very difficult time um but that idea of right let's what am i doing right now is you know where am i right now i think is is a really positive um way to look at things sometimes for sure i, I think those two things um join up in in terms of that sense of being intentional in, in the moment that's that's in front of you yeah that's uh, brilliant so tom you kind of preempted my next question uh which was about uh-huh. a self-isolation book recommendation are you sticking with man's search for meaning i think that's victor frankl right yeah, for sure. For sure. Everyone should read that. And uh, these days it would be called Humanity's Search for Meaning. So um, it's accessible to the whole population, right? Yeah, it's a really short book. <laughs> I agree. That's amazing. But in terms of an isolation book and another short one, actually, um, Voyage Around My Room, which is about um, the the voyage a um, a French writer in the military takes around his room over 42 days, I think it is. Um, because he's been sentenced to um, home imprisonment uh, for having uh, been involved in dueling. Uh, and so it's his journey around his um, his room during <laughs> right. that time. Okay. And Mike, you've got a book recommendation? Yeah, I I, um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. That's the way that I do it. Um, I find that really useful. Um, I w- I'm going to recommend read anything by Malcolm Gladwell. I absolutely love his stuff. Um, top of the list would be David and Goliath, which is this amazing sort of cultural commentary on why the little guy sometimes has the advantage. Um, and and it's, it's just a terrific piece of work and really, really interesting. Thank you both so much for that. I really appreciate you joining us on our first episode of Open Room Talks. Um, It's been a great discussion, and thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for having us. It's been really, really fun, and and stay safe, everyone. Same. Cheers, guys. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Open Room Talks. We hope that you've enjoyed the episode. For inquiries, please feel free to get in touch via email on hello at openroomevents.com. For details on future episodes, please follow us on LinkedIn or visit openroomevents.com. Until next time.